I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book and author related, discuss any new releases or current events happening in the book world, discuss my current reads and monthly favorites and what's going on in my life, and of course, discuss one half of our monthly book club pick, which this month is the very secret society of irregular witches. To get us started, spoiler alert, this book wasn't my favorite, you guys. I'm going to go into full detail about all of my thoughts in the second half of today's episode, but let's just say I liked it, I guess, but I didn't love it and I just have a lot to say. So it is almost the end of October. I hope you all had a fabulous month. I truly cannot believe we're almost to the end. To me, it has just completely flown by, and I feel like I haven't even had a second to breathe. Most exciting news that I'm going to share in today's episode by far is that over the weekend, I got engaged. I am so excited, you guys. Like, I really, it still hasn't set in. I'm recording this on Tuesday. I got engaged on Friday, October 20th. And I just, it has not set in, and I am just over the moon. I'm so excited. My boyfriend and I have been boyfriend, my fiance, and I, it's so strange. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I've been together for almost six years. Um, so we're just over the moon, so excited. It was such a special proposal. Um, he had set up all of these like pumpkins and candles and flowers 
and it was on top of the parking garage where um, we met at work five years ago and we used to walk to and from um, every single day together. So it was really formative in our early relationship and it was just so incredibly special and perfect. And our best friends were waiting up there after we got engaged um, and it was just so magical and so wonderful. So we've been riding that high all weekend. Um, we had a, a get together with all of our friends on Saturday um, and it was just so nice. So we were kind of going through the rounds now and seeing our family members and everything. And it's just been so much fun and just truly a dream. So sorry, this is up a few days late, but I've just been so excited about that. Um, I talked about it a little bit on my Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook um, and just shared some photos from my personal Instagram account. It was amazing, you guys, like next level, couldn't have dreamed of anything more perfect for my proposal. So I'm just so excited and so happy. So definitely just taking the holiday season to revel in the excitement and enjoyment of being engaged and then starting to plan, I guess, in 2024, probably for a 2025 wedding. So lots of exciting things coming up. We are so excited to enter this next chapter in our lives and it's just been a blast. Um, but needless to say, I haven't really had much time for reading. So like I talked about last week, getting back into books a little bit here, I read Happiness Falls. And other than that, I finished up The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches, of course. Then this past week, I finished up Becoming the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. And of course, as I suspected, it completely blew me away. I also talked about this in last week's episode, Chasing the Boogeyman, which is the book that came out before for this one was one of my favorite reads of 2022. So I had really high hopes for this one and I was definitely not disappointed. Chasing the Boogeyman definitely still takes the cake for me, but this one was absolutely incredible and definitely a five-star read. If you didn't know, these books by Richard Chismar are metafiction. So they are fictional with some non-fictional elements and I think I hyped up Richard Chismar enough in last week's episode. So if I haven't convinced you to read this series yet, I have not done a very good job. But regardless, you definitely have to go read them. I also had an exciting week. Now at this point, it's been two weeks or was it last? No, two weeks ago, um, which many of you saw on my Instagram. If you don't follow me, like I mentioned, and I'm sure the vast majority of you do, my Instagram is at Grace's Reading Nook. I had so, so many sweet messages from you all, not only on my engagement last Friday, but also about my visit on the hub today in Boston. Um, if you didn't know, I have a semi-recurring spot on NBC10's The Hub Today, where I go on and talk about my seasonal book picks. It is truly the most fun to go there, and everyone is so nice, and it truly combines some of my favorite things, the news and books. If you didn't know, I was a journalism major in college, so this has always been a dream of mine. Um, I absolutely love it. And of course, I was there two weeks ago to discuss my fall book choices. Now to clarify, which I've never really talked about before, I choose books that I think the vast majority of the public will like. Some of them are my favorites, some I haven't even read yet, um, but have been on the bestsellers list, and some are pretty middle of the road for me, but I still want to recommend them because I think the many, many people will love them. So with all of that being said, the books I brought with me this time were The September House by Carissa Orlando, 
Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez Gilliand, Happiness Falls by Angie Kim, The Unmaking of June Faro by Adrienne Young, and of course, as a surprise to absolutely no one, Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. I feel like I had a really good mix of books there, some horror, some magical, some romance, and some contemporary. And overall, I'm just super happy with it. And I think the segment itself was really fun and funny. I did post some photos and a little behind the scenes action over on my Instagram, but if you'd like to see the full segment, just go to NBCBoston.com and search for fall books and mine is the first segment that pops up. And as always, thank you all just so much for your support and for allowing me to experience things like this and just spice up my daily life. Next up, I want to talk about our book schedule for the rest of the year, and I think it may be surprising to some of you. So as scheduled, we will have a November book, and like the past few months, we'll be doing two episodes. Each one will cover half of the book, and I'll be giving you all a sneak peek into the choices in just a bit before I even release them on my bookstagram, which is exciting. But I have made the difficult decision to not have a December book club pick. I know that December is an absolutely crazy time for all of us. And I know personally, if I haven't had much time to read in October, it's going to be even crazier in December, seeing all my family being newly engaged. And I'm also planning on having a full social media break between the week um, of Christmas and New Year's. So that eliminates a week of episodes for us. Um, That doesn't mean in December I won't be uploading at all. I definitely want to do a 2023 recap of reading what I'm looking forward to reading in the new year. I want us all to be able to vote on our favorite book club pick of 2023. And I also want to discuss our January book club choices. However, we won't be all reading a book together in December. And I hope that's just okay with you guys. I feel like it's nice and healthy to take a break in December. The year has been so busy and I'm really looking forward to that earned social media break between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Now all you have to do is listen um, away to what I'm hoping to read for January and recapping December. I'm not going to commit to any specific number of episodes. It's going to be either one or two, but that's something I'll figure out in November and keep you guys posted on. Speaking of November, let's discuss our schedule. So the first episode will be up the week of November 13th. I will be on a work trip that week, so I don't want to 100% commit to Monday the 13th upload, but it will be up that week. Then our next episode will release on Monday, November 27th, and that will be the final actual book club episode of the year. So sentimental and so special. That means altogether we will have read 11 books this year, which is super exciting. As we end November's book club, I want to know how many of the 11 books you've all read for the podcast. Um, and there's just so much more exciting stuff coming for 2024. So all exciting news. I had to get all of that clerical stuff out of the way. So if you don't know, if you're a new listener, every month I release next month's choices for our book club pick. I choose four books, give you all a synopsis, and let you all vote over on my Instagram for which book you want to read. Usually that all takes place over on my Instagram, but I wanted to give my listeners a bit of a head start into what we're reading for the month. So here are November's options. First up, we have My Darling Girl by Jennifer McMahon. This is a winter thriller that takes place during Christmas, and I figure since we won't have a December book and we're kind of reading mid to late November, this may be perfect. It was featured in Book of the Month last month and was one that I picked up and have heard great things about since, and I really do love Jennifer McMahon as an author, and I will read you all the Goodreads synopsis. 
This is a spine-tingling psychological thriller about a woman who, after taking in her dying alcoholic mother, begins to suspect demonic possession is haunting her family. Allison has never been a fan of Christmas, but with it right around the corner and her husband busily decorating their cozy Vermont home, she has no choice but to face it. Then she gets the call. Mavis, Allison's estranged mother, has been diagnosed with cancer and has only weeks to live. She wants to spend her remaining days with her daughter, son-in-law, and two granddaughters. But Allison grew up with her mother's alcoholism and violent abuse and is reluctant to unearth those traumatic memories. Still, she eventually agrees to take in Mavis, hoping that she and her mother could finally heal and have the relationship she's always dreamt of. But when mysterious and otherworldly things start happening upon Mavis's arrival, Allison begins to suspect her mother is not quite who she seems. And as the holiday festivities turn into a nightmare, she must confront just how far she is willing to go to protect her family. Sounds so good. I am so excited about this one, you guys. I don't read a ton of holiday books. I know a lot of people are really into like holiday romances. Um, I love to watch them. Like I love all of the holiday movies, but I've never really been into like Christmas books. However, this is so fun and I feel like so up my alley, Um, a little bit different for the typical Christmas read. So I'm super excited about that. And even if we don't choose it, I will definitely be prioritizing that for November and December of this year. All right, for book number two, I have chosen Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. Now, I know this may be a bit of a controversial choice, only because it does have some prerequisites. So as many of you know, this is book number two in the Empyrean series, book number one being Fourth Wing, which is truly one of the most popular books of the year. So you will have had to have read Fourth Wing in order to read Iron Flame. Now, I know I was one of the last people to read Fourth Wing, so I bet the vast majority of my audience has as well, but that is also just something to put out there. Additionally, I have a feeling this book is going to be very hard to get your hands on. It comes out on November 7th, so it does give you about a week or so to get your hands on it and read the first half, but still, that's a pretty tight turnaround, even for me, for getting it, reading it, and posting the podcast. So while on the surface level, I feel like this will be a very popular choice to immediately choose. Those are some really important things to consider. Also, something very important to consider, you'll have to hear me butcher the names of all the fantasy towns and people, which I think is even going to annoy me. Um, I'm going to read you guys the synopsis, but if you haven't read Fourth Wing, I would fast forward about 45 seconds to a minute in the podcast, just so you won't get everything anything spoiled. So starting now. Everyone expected Violet Soringkiel to die during her first year at Bayskith War College, Violet included, but threshing was only the first impossible test meant to weed out the weak-willed, the unworthy, and the unlucky. Now the real training begins, and Violet's already wondering how she'll get through. It's not just that it's grueling and maliciously brutal, or even that it's designed to stretch the writer's capacity for pain beyond endurance. It's the new vice commandment who's made his personal mission to teach Violet exactly how powerless she is, unless she betrays the man she loves. Although Violet's body might be weaker and frailer than everyone else's, she still has her wits and a will of iron. And leadership is forgetting the most important lesson Basquiat has taught her. Dragon riders make their own rules, but a determination to survive won't be enough this year. Because Violet knows the real secret 
hidden for centuries as Basquiat at the War College, and nothing, not even Dragonfire, may be enough to save them in the end. End of spoilers for Iron Flame. You are good to keep listening. So it actually didn't give away too, too much. Honestly, it left it pretty vague, which I appreciate in a synopsis sometimes, especially when a book is this anticipated. Um, anyway, that's the second choice. Now let's talk about our next two books, which aren't as new of releases. Book number three is going to be Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. I may be the only person on the planet to not have read this book yet. It came out a long time ago, but it has amazing reviews, as many of you know, and I haven't put it as a potential option yet this year, and I'm still really dying to read it. If you haven't heard of this book, here is the synopsis. Meet Eleanor Oliphant. She struggles with appropriate social skills and tends to say exactly what she's thinking. Nothing is missing in her carefully timetabled life of avoiding social interactions, where weekends are punctuated by frozen pizza, vodka, and phone chats with mummy. But everything changes when Eleanor meets Raymond, the bumbling and deeply unhygienic IT guy from her office. When she and Raymond Together, save Sammy, an elderly gentleman who has fallen on the sidewalk, the three become the kinds of friends who rescue one another from the lives of isolation they have each been living. And it's Raymond's big heart that will ultimately help Eleanor find the way to repair her own profoundly damaged one. Soon to be a major motion picture produced by Reese Witherspoon, which I have not heard much about, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, is the smart, warm, and uplifting story of an out-of-the-ordinary heroine whose deadpan weirdness and unconscious wit makes for an irresistible journey as she realizes the only way to survive is to open your heart. So this one, when I read The Maid um, by, God, now I'm forgetting who wrote The Maid, by Nita Prose, I've heard that um, the main character in The Maid was very similar to Eleanor Oliphant, and I absolutely loved The Maid and cannot wait for the second one, which I believe is coming out soon. So I've been wanting to read this one for a while, and one of my best friends, Siobhan, isn't an avid reader, and this is one of her all-time favorite books, so it's also been on my list for a long time because of that. It has a 4.24 average Goodreads rating and over 1.5 million reviews, so I'm guessing many of you have read it, but if you're like me and haven't yet, you may love this one as our November choice. And lastly, we have Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. I have been dying to read this book for months and more and more of my books to friends keep recommending it, and I am just ready to read it already. I've heard this is a take on Little Women and almost a modern retelling of it, and something about that makes it feel like a cozy November read to me. Here is the synopsis. William Waters grew up in a house silenced by tragedy where his parents could hardly bear to look at him, much less love him. So when he meets the spirited and ambitious Julia Padovano in his freshman year of college, it's as if the world has lit up around him. With Julia comes her family, as she and her three sisters are inseparable. Sylvie, the family's dreamer, is happiest with her nose in a book. Cecilia is a free-spirited artist, and Emmeline patiently takes care of them all. With the Padovanoses, William experiences a newfound contentment. Every moment in their house is filled with loving chaos. But then darkness from William's past surfaces, jeopardizing not only Julia's carefully orchestrated plans for their future, but the sisters' unshakable devotion to one another. The result is a catastrophic family rift that changes their lives for generation. Will the loyalty that once rooted them be strong enough to draw them back together when it matters most? An exquisite homage to Louisa May Alcott's timeless classic, Little Women, Hello Beautiful is a profoundly moving portrait of what is possible when we choose to love someone not in spite of who they are, but because of it. 
So what will it be? We will have to wait and see. So I'll be putting these options up on my Instagram in the next few days. So please just keep an eye out over on Grace's Reading Nook so you have the chance to vote. I'm really excited about all four options and figuring out what it exactly is that we're going to read. And lastly, I wanted to talk about what the October book club selections were for my three celebrity book clubs that I follow. Now, there weren't too, too many new releases this month that I was crazy about. There were definitely some, but in general, I feel like September was a bigger month for new releases for me. I'm sure there'll be plenty more in November, but for now, let's just discuss what these book clubs chose so we have all our options on the table before going into November with a fresh mind. First up, we have my favorite celebrity book club, Jenna Bush Hager's Read with Jenna Pick. Her pick for October was How to Say Babylon, which is a memoir, and I do believe this was also a book of the month choice for October as well. I think it is rare for Jenna to choose a memoir as a book club pick, so I'm sure this is absolutely incredible. I'm sorry if I butcher the names, but here is the synopsis. Throughout her childhood, Sophia Sinclair's father a volatile reggae musician and militant adherent to a strict set of Rastafari became obsessed with her purity, in particular with the threat of what Rastas calls Babylon, the immoral and corrupting influences of the Western world outside their home. He worried that womanhood would make Sophia and her sisters morally weak and impure and believed a woman's highest virtue was her obedience. In an effort to keep Babylon outside the gate, he forbade almost everything. In place of plants, the women in her family were made to wear long skirts and dresses to cover their arms and legs, head wraps to cover their hair, no makeup, no drill no opinions, no friends. Sophia's mother, while loyal to her father, nonetheless gave Sophia and her siblings the gift of books, including poetry to which Sophia latched onto for dear life. And as Sophia watched her mother struggle voicelessly for years under housework and the rigidity of her father's beliefs, she increasingly used her education as a sharp tool with which to find her voice and break free. Inevitably, with her rebellion comes clashes with her father, whose rage and paranoia explodes in increasing violence. As Sophia's voice grows lyrically and poetically, a collision course is set between them. So that does sound absolutely incredible and super duper heavy. I'm not typically a nonfiction reader, but that is a genre I'm hoping to read more of in 2024. So this is definitely one I'll keep my eye on. Randomly, I also just picked up Educated by Tara Westover, which I know is a huge, huge, huge favorite in the book community. And it's also a nonfiction memoir of sorts. So I'm also going to be prioritizing that for sure in 2024. Next, let's look at Reese's Book Club for October. She picked The Starling House, which was one of the books I picked up in my October Book of the Month box, which is super exciting. It was one that I was hoping to prioritize in October. But as we know, my October, if I haven't said it enough already, was super jam-packed and reading wasn't at the top of my list of priorities. However, I do think this one would still be a fun read year-round, and it has been everywhere recently. I don't think I shared the synopsis in the last episode, so here it is now. I dream sometimes about a house I've never seen. Opal is a lot of things, orphan, high school dropout, full-time cynic, and part-time cashier. But above all, she's determined to find a better life for her younger brother, Jasper. One that gets them out of Eden, Kentucky, a town remarkable for only two things, bad luck and E. Starling, the reclusive 19th century author of The Underland, who disappeared over a hundred years ago. All she left behind were dark rumors and her home. Everyone agrees that it's the best thing to ignore the uncanny mansion and its misanthropic heir, Arthur. Almost everyone, anyway. I should be scared, but in the dream, I don't hesitate. 
Opal has been obsessed with the Underland since she was a child. When she gets the chance to step inside Starling House and make some extra cash for her brother's escape fund, she can't resist. But sinister forces are digging deeper into the buried secrets of Starling House, and Arthur's own nightmares have become far too real. As Eden itself seems to be drowning in its own ghosts, Opal realizes that she might finally have found a reason to stick around. In my dream, I'm home, and now she'll have to fight. Welcome to Starling House. Enter if you dare. That seriously sounds so spooky and fun that I may have to pick that up shortly. It's also giving me witching game vibes. Not witching, sorry. <laughs> it's also giving me the wishing game vibes um, that I just read by Meg Schaefer and really enjoyed, but just like a more dark and sinister version. So that sounds so good. And lastly, we have GMA's book club pick, which was the list for October, which I actually haven't heard of yet. Here's the synopsis. And again, I am so sorry if I butcher these names. Ola Olahide, a celebrated journalist at Woman Magazine, is set to marry the love of her life in one month's time. Young, beautiful, and successful, she and her fiancé Michael are considered the couple goals of their social network and seem to have it all. That is, until one morning when they both wake up to the same message, oh my god, have you seen the list? It began as a crowdsourced collection of names and somehow morphed into an anonymous account posting allegations on social media. Ola would usually be the first to support such a list. She'd retweet it, call for the men to be fired, write article after article, except this time Michael's name is on it. Compulsively enjoyable, wildly entertaining, and filled with sharp social insight, the list is a piercing and dazzling clear-sighted debut about secrets, lies, and the internet. Perfect for fans of such a fun age, luster, and my dark Vanessa, Love that book. This is a searing portrait of these modern times in our morally complicated online culture. That one sounds so good. I have not heard anything about it and I'm surprised. Um, I really do typically enjoy GMA's list. So that one might have to go up on mine. So overall, super excited about those. And just as a reminder, it's always fun to go through the backlog of these celebrity book clubs because they pick them for a reason at some point. So if you're ever looking for a new book, any of these choices throughout the year would be fantastic. Okay, so with all of those exciting updates, mostly excited about my engagement, I do think it's finally time to get into the discussion of the very secret society of irregular witches in the second half of the book. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cashback is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I do have a lot to say, and I'm really excited to dig into all of those thoughts with you all, so let's just get into it. As always, I'm going to share spoilers in the next part of the podcast, so if you haven't finished the book, I would pause it now to avoid those. If you have already finished the book or you don't care about spoilers, please feel free to keep listening. All right, so starting with chapter 14, we have the resolution to the cliffhanger of last week, and Terracotta made it to the ground safely, but at the cost of Mika. Now Mika is in, is it Mika or Micah? It's Mika. So now I'm going crazy. What did I just, so I just watched, is it Micah? What have I been saying? I think it's Micah. Okay. So the only reason I think I said Mika, I watched the original paranormal activity with my fiance. (laughs) Love saying that. Um, two nights ago. So, and the main character in that was Mika. So I think it is Micah. So I'm going to keep saying Micah. I'm so sorry if I've been saying Mika the whole time. I'm going to say Micah. Now I'm more confused than ever. Anyway, Now, Micah is in a hibernation state, which Ian described happened to his own mother once. A leaf has started to grow from her throat, and she'll only wake up when she's fully healed. Witches do that when they're hurt. Terracotta got on my last nerve in this chapter for what she did. I know she's only eight, but I'm glad that even Jamie has had enough of her sassiness and being mean and relentless to Micah. I'm hopeful that after the injury, they'll be able to turn a new leaf, pun intended, and that Terracotta will have an attitude adjustment. Chapters 15 and 16, Micah gets better under the watchful care of Jamie in 26 hours. Terracotta expresses regret and sorrow for causing Micah pain, and Micah accepts her apology. The whole house rallies around her in her healing, and in a few days, she does start to feel better. Then she receives a letter in the mail from Primrose asking to meet, and she can only assume it's because she felt the power surge when Terracotta went into the air a few days prior. When they meet, that's exactly what she guessed, and she's right. But Micah lies and says it's because she was at a class reunion and she saw an ex there. Are we going to learn more about that ex? Then we learn a bit more about why all witches are orphaned. It's because there was a curse put on witches years ago by some general. And then there was something about how it involved 53 witches or something. Honestly, to me, that part was kind of confusing, but I got the gist of it, I think. Um, It was nice to see Primrose opening up to Micah and actually showing her some love and appreciation. Chapter 17 and 18, Ken and Jamie made the trek to get Micah just when she needed the help. She was exhausted from completing the neat speed spell and still recovering from her near-death experience that she could barely keep her eyes open. A benefit, or con, whichever way you look at it, of this was that she was incredibly truthful with Jamie and said she wanted to kiss him, but he declined. I'm assuming all of this because he knows she's going to leave at some point and doesn't want to get hurt and probably also doesn't want to mix business with pleasure and make things weird in the house. But of course, we all know he desperately wants to kiss her too. 
When they get home, Micah tells Ken and Jamie the story of her ex-boyfriend from college. They dated for four months, and she felt comfortable enough with him to tell him that she was a witch. When he found out, he started using her for spells to help him, like getting extra, extra money out of an ATM or to answer tests or answers to tests. Honestly, never thought about the fact that you could get money from an ATM with a witchy spell. I I might do the same thing, be honest. <laughs> Just kidding. Soon she realized she hated herself for what she was doing, broke up with him, alerted the school to what he was doing, and left the school. She has been used by nannies like this in the past, and I think it's hard for Micah to truly see her worth in this world because of all of that. The next day, she finally feels almost 100% back to her old self and goes down to eat some food with everyone. There, Jamie says he's going to Liverpool the following day to see his mother for her 60th birthday. This is met with much surprise from the crew, and they are almost all very against it. I wonder what happened between him and his family to make him leave home and end up at the nowhere house. Ian suggests Micah go with him so she can do the speed spell to speed up the drive, and I think things are going to get steamy. I would be shocked if we don't get at least a kiss in the next few chapters. Chapter 19. Before any kissing, on the drive to Liverpool, we learn why Jamie left home. It was because once his dad died, his brother started relentlessly bullying him in terrifying ways. Just because they knew that their dad had liked him best because he was the most like him. His mother didn't do anything because she was grieving, which Micah said is a bad excuse, and I do agree. She should have been there for her son despite her own grief. So he decided to leave home, and when his mom learned she was at Nowhere House, he said she almost sounded relieved. Super sad. Chapters 20 and 21, and we did get that kiss and a very steamy one at that. Before the kiss, we learn that Jamie met with his mother and got his father's old journals. They'll never be in each other's lives like they used to be, but for both of them, it was nice to know that the other was okay, and his brothers didn't bother him at all. And while she was waiting, Micah ran into Hilda, a witch from the society, and realized Hilda still hadn't told her girlfriend about being a witch. On the drive back, as they're foraging for plants and things during the solstice, they share their steamy kiss. And on the drive back, Jamie comments that Micah really should open up the witchy store she told, told him about, and I have a feeling she'll do that at Nowhere House. Chapters 22, 23, and 24, the family celebrates a wonderful solstice that is very cute to witness. It was very full of cheer and love that I adored reading about. Then the world basically drops. We learn that Lillian Nowhere, the owner of the house, is dead. That everyone has been hiding her death from the girls since before she even left for her trip. In her will, Lillian left the girls to her sister, Peony, because she figured the girls needed a witch to look after them. Because of that, Lucy, Ken, Ian, and Jamie have been hiding her death and saying she's been busy. Edward has her will and expects to see Lillian at the house when he goes over it with everyone. If he finds out that Lillian is dead, the girls will most likely be gone and the adults would most likely be in trouble. Micah comes in because one, Ian did think the girls needed a witch tutor and two, because he thought she may be able to do some glamour spells and make herself look like Lillian when Edward came so that they could buy a little more time. So, all of them had been lying to her this whole time. And again, following the same pattern, Micah feels manipulated and for very good reason. She decides she's going to help where she can, but that she can't live at the house anymore. This is super sad and I didn't see this coming, but as the book is pretty fluffy, I'm sure we're going to get a satisfying re resolution. 
chapters 25 and 26, Micah leaves Nowhere House and goes back to the house Primrose had for her when she was a little girl. She is super sad and for very good reason, and it is Christmas. That's when Jamie comes to visit her. He tells her they told the girls about Lillian and that they're furious, but mostly because it made Micah leave and that they want her to come back. Micah herself is still unsure, but I think we all know that she will be back. Then they have sex and it's very steamy and it was fun to read. (laughs) And then I finished the book. So Micah and Jamie go back to the Nowhere House. They realize that Edward is already there and the girls have been terrorizing him. Even worse, they found out that Lillian is in fact dead because the girls animated her skeleton to scare him into the shed. They realize the only way they're going to get out of this is with the help of a very powerful witch. And of course, Micah thinks of Primrose. But when Primrose shows up, Jamie, Ken, and Lucy, and Ian all recognize her because she looks exactly like Lillian. That's when we realize Lillian and Primrose are twin sisters and that Primrose's name actually used to be Peony. So she is the one who is technically supposed to be in charge of the girls. A pretty crazy twist that I did not see coming. In the end, they settle that the girls will stay at the house with the family and that Primrose will continue to check in on the girls. Micah hopes that witches will be able to come together in the future and to me, it almost set it up like a sequel. And I'm going to be completely honest, you guys, I was reading this book um, in bed as I was finishing it and I was falling asleep. So I hope I got the gist of that ending correct. Um, I took notes the following day, but my eyes were literally closing because it wasn't my favorite book. That was a book. So look, it was a very cute book. It was very sweet. I know it was meant to be a very light read just to get everyone in the mood for Halloween and witchy things. Did I like it? Yes. Did I absolutely love it? No. I thought the characters were adorable and that was the main highlight for me. However, I didn't think in general there was a much of a real plot to drive the book forward. And I was just a little bit bored throughout because I never trusted that the whole Edward tension was what it seemed. And then it all wrapped up within a matter of pages. So I also had some further notes when I talked about it on um, Goodreads in my synopsis. And I've also been talking about it with you guys over on my Instagram quite a bit. So it's a 3.5 rounded down to a three. Unfortunately, it did fall a bit flat for me. I know that I'm probably the outlier here, but I still want to share my thoughts. Um, My biggest flaw, like I just said, was that I felt like there was no true plot and that was moving the book along. We had the mysterious Edward coming at the end, but I think we could all tell that wasn't what it seemed. It all felt just very far-fetched, and I'm all for a little fun and magic, but it just didn't have enough substance for me, Um, and like nothing to really move the plot along. The characters were super cute, and I mostly enjoyed Ian and Ken in their relationship. I liked Mika as our protagonist and liked all the witchy things she added to the plot, I thought Lucy could have used some developing and all three of the little girls really all blended together for me, except for Terracotta. All in all, it was a super cute, sweet book, but there really wasn't much underneath all that sweetness for it to make a lasting impact on me. And I'm going to read, I think, a couple of the Goodreads reviews that I read that were really, really good for this book. I felt like someone said um, on Goodreads, I was hoping this would be a fun, cozy romance with some fantasy like the blurb suggested, but it was more like eating a cake and finding out it's mostly whipped cream and no cake. That was literally, I kept saying there's no substance and I completely agree. It felt like everything was so, so forced in her relationship with Jamie and the girls all just happened so, so quickly and tied up in a little bow. 
Um, the reviewer continues with the book tries its best to come off as warm and wholesome with the whole cottage core vibe, which I respect and enjoyed, but there isn't much substance to it. The plot is straightforward and predictable, which could be excusable if the characters had any depth. I didn't really care for any of them. The three children about whom everyone is supposed to be head over heels for are forgettable and not at all distinguishable, except the one of them that is slightly more murderous. The entire thing feels shallow and a cheaper version of the house in the Cerulean Sea. I was also wasn't a big fan of the romance. It felt pretty meh. The sex scene was totally random and read like something out of Wattpad. The casual swearing and throwing around the word of penises and fuck also kind of felt unnecessary. Like I don't mind swearing in books, but I felt as if the swearing was out of place and broke the immersion for me here. I really was excited to read this book and I'm disappointed my first read for spooky season turned out to be a dud. I literally like I could I didn't say it better myself and I completely completely agree. So many people talk about this book being like a warm hug and like I gave it a three. It wasn't terrible. Like I thought the writing was cute. I thought it was a cute read overall, but like it's going to be one that I don't remember much about going forward. Um, I also haven't read The House in the Cerulean Sea, so I can't really say if I would compare it to that or not, but I'm sure that one has way more substance and plot than this one had. But I'm reading through some of the Goodreads reviews right now just to make sure I got all my points across. And I mean, guys, it's mostly four and five star reviews. And many people are also talking about that one review I just read with it being all icing and no cake. And that is, I love that saying, and I'm going to keep using it. It's by um, a Goodreads reviewer named Irwa. I am just so, so obsessed with it. Now, this one I also agree with says, to be clear and fair, I don't think this book is bad. This is perhaps the better of the recent books to come out of the witchy romance boom. I think people who love candy-coated quirky stories will find this incredibly comforting. Um, and I completely agree. Um, she said, so what's my problem? Many, apparently. Among my lighter quibbles, I'll say I was generally bored with the story. I didn't find the prose half as magical as I hoped it would be. And also, though the whole thing was aggressively twee, I felt like there was zero chemistry between the leads. I agree with that too. There was no substance to their attraction beyond your hot. It has a ton of awkward magic info drops that felt like the equivalent of an actor in a film turning to the camera and explaining something everyone else in the scene knows, but is clearly getting stated for the audience and it was a little bit cringy. I also couldn't get past Jamie's man-child attitude. Throughout a good chunk of the book, Jamie is both enraged by the fact that Mika has never felt any sense of belonging to a place ever, yet simultaneously constantly questions her capabilities, distrusts her, and pushes any against her doing anything with the children. Even more frustrating is Mika's hyper-kind and goofy attitude about it. She waves off his nasty remarks without offense because, after all, he's just worried for the children. It is so, that is so, so true. So overall, I'm really sorry if you guys really enjoyed this book, but for me, it was pretty middle of the road, if not something that I didn't completely enjoy. Either way, I hope it did get you in the mood for spooky season, and I really do hope that the vast majority of you loved it and didn't have the same feelings that I did, and I'm curious as to where this is going to fall on our 2023 ranking for all the books we've read for the One Woman Book Club podcast. And that is the end of today's episode. We do have our four books to vote on over on my Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook. Like I said, I'll be sharing those in the next few days for you all to vote on. So be sure to go over there and vote in that poll. And the next episode will be up on Monday or sometime around Monday, November 13th. Super exciting. And thank you all again for your kind words on my engagement over on my Instagram. 
it just, just still hasn't even set in for me. And I am just so thrilled and excited. So I'm going to be in La La Land over here for a little while. Um, so thank you guys all so much for your support. And that is all for today. I will talk to you all over on my Instagram. Thank you all so much for listening. And I'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks. Bye, guys. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.